0: Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. So yes. it, it is an incredible honor that this happened and an even greater honor that more than six people showed up. This will encourage people all around the country to do this. And I just think it's very nice. 75, that's the count? This way till next count. year. Wow, right. that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It says Chatter was the official sponsor of the game and had its logo up on the video. Before. There is no Chatter. It doesn't exist. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So I ran into this guy the other day who said he stopped me. He was in his car. <clears throat> he said how much he liked the old radio show. And I said, well, why don't you listen to the podcast? He's probably my age. He says, well, how do I do that? I said, do you have a phone? He said, yeah. He held up the phone. I said, just go to the phone where it says podcast and type in my name. He says, you doing sports? I said, yeah. He said, I really liked it when you were doing sports. I said, where have you been the last eight <laughs> years of my life? So we so were guessing, been? he has to go back to the, the national ESPN show days, sure. don't you think? Sure. Without question about that. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have a cough, but I only have it downstairs where it's particularly dry. Um, let let me get to some small things, and not that small. Our friend George Mallet, who works in Indianapolis, and you know he's on television. the artist. Look how beautiful this drawing is. He sent oh, that's me a lovely. Drawing. And it said, "It's been quite some months since I sent you a watercolor doodle. I wanted to give you the skinny on a horse I depicted in the rendering below. His name is Flightline. On Saturday, he galloped to a nearly twenty-length victory in the Pacific Classic against some of the top older horses in America. He's raced five times and won them all." His combined margin of victory in those races is more than 62 lengths. He is an unmitigated monster. I hope you will have an opportunity to ask Andy Byer about him because his buyer speed figures are amazing. I always tell people to shut up when they compare horses to Secretariat. This horse can actually be mentioned in the same breath. He's that good. So let's, let's get Andy on this. Just make a call to Andy. Flightline. Find out if he knows about the horse. And George continues to write, hope all is well at your end. My TV show is becoming more fun all the time. Last week, I got to drive a Dodge Hellcat at Lucas Oil Raceway Park drag strip with top fuel driver Leah Pruitt, who's Tony Stewart's wife, coaching me and riding shotgun. In July, I got to ride with Indy Lights champion Spencer Piggott on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course at about 160 miles an hour, and I get paid for this stuff. That's really good. Thank you on that. And I got this a, a while back. I got it two or three weeks ago. Do you remember when we were talking, we started to talk about Tillamook ice cream, and somebody mentioned Bluebell, and I said it was from Pennsylvania. Right. It's, it's not. I right. got this from Dan Russell. Turkey Hill, maybe. Maybe Turkey Hill is Pennsylvania, but Bluebell is. And he goes, please, 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 Bluebell is Texas ice cream. As Texas is the Alamo. Brendan, Texas, to be exact. Ran into financial problems, but was saved by Sid Bass of Fort Worth. Yes, that Bass brother, Dan Russell. Yes, that Dan Russell of Fort Worth. That's who Dan is. So that's very, very nice. Appreciate that. Let's get to yesterday and the weekend. Um, We'll talk about the NFL with Wilbon. We're going to talk about baseball with Jeff Passan and the rule changes. If I had to stay away from the NFL for a couple of minutes and talk about other things that happened, Carlos Alcaraz won his first major. He is from Spain. He appeared to be the crowd favorite over the Norwegian kid Rude or Rudd. I was totally unfamiliar with him. Kaspar Rude. Casper yes. Rude. How, Big golf guy. How he yes. would get to be the number one player in the world. By the way, how Alcaraz gets to be the number one player in the world is beyond my comprehension. Because his countryman, Rafael Nadal, has won two majors this year. And Novak Djokovic, who only appeared in two, has won one major this year. You know, so I don't—Nigel's uh, going to look at me and tell me about points. I don't care about points. <laughs> right, well, that's, that's— I don't care about points. <laughs> the number one player in the world this year is Rafael Nadal, if it's not Novak Djokovic. But Carlos Alcaraz, I was listening to John McEnroe about this yesterday. He thinks he's going to win many majors. Yes. He thinks this kid is, as I would say, the full-fledged phenom. And Francis Tiafo's not. He's 24. He's not the full-fledged phenom. This kid's 19. He's the youngest kid to win a major in a 1,000 years. You know, forget about being ranked number one because I dispute the number one ranking. But he is a great player. And he went out there in his last four matches. He did 19 of a possible <laughs> 20 sets. You know, he, he won 12 and lost seven. Uh, Wilbon said, oh, he's going to lose to Tiafo, because it's, it's going to be his third match in four days. And he's gone five twice. And I said he's not going to lose. He didn't lose. He doesn't care going five. He's 19. He can do this. When he's 29, it's different. 19, he can do it. Shviantek won for the women, and hers is a name to pay attention to. She now has three majors. And that means she has more majors than anyone who's currently playing all the time. Because Naomi Osaka, who has four, is not playing all the time. And Venus Williams doesn't get out. He has seven, is not getting out of the first round. And Serena's probably done. So the one to look for right now is Sviantec. Three is the number where you begin to pay attention. It's not the number where you're great. Six is the number where you're great. Yeah. But three is the number where you go, oh, okay, something's really good there. Albert Pujols hit his six hundred ninety sixth and and 697th home run over the weekend. Waited until the ninth inning yesterday. He's ahead of, what's his name? A-Rod. Rodriguez, yeah. He's ahead of him. He's three down from 700, which would put him in a class of only Barry Bonds, who is presumed to be a drug cheat, Henry Aaron, and Babe Ruth. If I'm a pitcher and I got him at 699, I'm grooving it. <laughs> that's, that's, I'm grooving it. Just sure. fastballs. Yeah, that's it. I would you say, Albert, yeah. I'm going to throw it. I'm not up, hard. but I'm not, I'm not going to be I'm upset hard, if I turn around and see it. But I'm going to throw it so you can hit it. Brett Favre, Michael Strahan situation. Uh, Did yes. you see where yeah, 697 landed? No. Just dead center. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, it, there's no disgrace. Albert Pujols has hit home runs off 450 pitchers. There's no disgrace to have him take you out for 700 and you live with him in the same way that Al Downing lives with Henry Aaron at 715. Everybody knows Al Downing threw the pitch. And Al Downing was a fine pitcher, mostly for the Dodgers. So, you know, that's important. Yesterday's NFL action was spectacular. Wilbon will say it was garbage. That's Wilbon. And by the way, the Tampa Bay Dallas game was garbage. You no, know, it's a bunch of field goals. It had no excitement whatsoever. Except that Dak Prescott, who for two years forced, cajoled, and encouraged the the uh, first take show to talk about him every single day. Will he get his money? Is Dak going to get his every day? Two years. Will Dak get his money? Then he got his money. There was another year of Dak got his money. Now Dak's out. Dak broke a bone in his throwing hand. He's out six to eight weeks minimum. Six to eight. That's what the reports say. That's the number one story in the NFL because Cowboys are going down the drain and it's very possible Mike McCarthy won't be the coach when Dak comes back. It's very possible. The early games yesterday, Joe Burrow looked terrible. Four picks, almost one. Baker Mayfield looked terrible, almost won. Matt Ryan looked terrible, almost won. He tied. The other two guys lost. There's just so much happened. Marcus Mariota looked good. Jameis Winston looked bad. And at the end of the game, Jameis Winston won. These are not good teams. These are eight bad teams. But they provided tremendously exciting games. Philadelphia looked good, though it's Detroit. You don't know, but they certainly scored a lot of points. Lamar Jackson, betting on himself, had three touchdown passes against the Jets. So, you know, but but then you come to a game, the Giants against Tennessee. Tennessee last year was the number one seed. Now, they lost early to Cincinnati, but they were the number one seed in the AFC. The Giants stink. They're terrible. Giants won that game. The Giants went for two. They were in a position to tie the game at 21-21, and they went for two. And Daniel Jones takes off on the right, then pitches back to Saquon Barkley, and he gets into the end zone. And then they miss a 47-yard field goal, Tennessee. And the Giants beat them in Tennessee. It's, that's just not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen. That game was tremendous. What else happened? The tremendous. Biggest,
1: biggest game of the weekend, Commanders-Jags. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, the Washington State football team?
0: <laughs> they, they were giving out, they were selling, selling mugs <laughs> with a W on the outline of Washington State. No, as you
1: peel back the layers, though, Crazy. the team sent out an actual memo saying this
0: was from a truck outside of the stadium that was not ours. People then zoom out, and you see it is, in fact, a commander's truck. Of course, of course. it is. <laughs> Carson Wentz had two terrible fourth-quarter interceptions and still won the game and had four touchdown passes just when you're ready to write him off. Like, it's, it's first week. It doesn't mean anything. Aaron Rodgers looked terrible. It doesn't really mean anything. But one guy looked really good. Patrick Mahomes looked really good against what we thought was a pretty good team because Kyler Murray got an awful lot of money to stay there for an awful long time in Arizona. And Kansas City, without Tyreek Hill, as Patrick Mahomes said, you think it's Tyreek Hill and not me? That's what you think? Why don't you watch this? And that's what happened. And the other thing, the other interpretation that's out there is this. You think it's Bill Belichick and not Tom Brady? Is that what you think? Because the Dolphins beat the Patriots. Now, they often beat the Patriots but they, it's often in Miami. Late. Yeah, it's, but it's usually they late in the They often season. beat, the, but the Patriots had nothing. They had nothing, so if you think it's Bill Belichick and not Tom Brady, you you want to reconsider, right? You're you're a Pat's fan. I am. Yes, so you'd have to. Because <laughs> yes, they they bet well. They yeah they bet on a wrong horse. Yeah, Belichick does not. Um, Belichick's a great coach. He is. He is. But, but you can't do it without talent, right? And they've had terrible drafts over the last several years. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff that went on. A lot of overtime games. A lot of close. Finishes the Dallas was not a close finish. And you know what else happened that we haven't gotten to at all? Appalachian State beat Texas A&M at Texas A&M, the number six team in the country. Jimbo Fisher, the guy accusing Nick Saban of all sorts of malfeasance and defending himself. He lost. He lost to Appalachian State, who at one time went into the big house and beat Michigan. That's right. And they've done this before. Notre Dame, the eight team in the country. Notre Dame, far better against Ohio State than we thought. And everybody said, oh, they're good, they're good. They lost at home to Marshall. Mm. Their coach, Marcus Freeman, has coached three games for Notre Dame. He has no wins. He's 0-3. It's not a good way to start out. Texas should have beaten Alabama. I thought there was a safety. I thought Texas had a safety on the Alabama quarterback, and it wasn't ruled a safety, and I thought it was a safety. That would have given them the margin win. God bless the Alabama quarterback for making two great plays at the end of the game and getting Alabama in position to win that game. But they're not the number one team in the country today. George is the number one team in the country today. These things could change. And Nebraska fired Scott Frost, a guy who was on two national championship teams at Nebraska, a guy who looked like one of the great hires of all time after what he did at the University of Central Florida. And he can't get out of the blocks. He lost to Northwestern in Ireland. He barely beat North Dakota State, a one double A team, and he lost to Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern. There's no way Nebraska can ever lose to Georgia Southern. I don't care if it's played in Georgia Southern. <laughs> you can't lose that game. And they fired him because he ended his career at Nebraska 5-22 and 22 in one-score games. They just fired him three games in, an alum, a folk hero. Fired by his teammate, Trev Alberts, the AD, and a fine, Trev Alberts, a fine PTI guest 20 years ago. There's a million stories to talk about, and we will start talking about them with Michael Wilbon when we return. I'm Tony
2: Kornheiser. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?
0: The letter writes, the letter reads, my nephew David Austin is a talented guitarist and singer-songwriter originally from San Francisco. Actually, he's not my nephew, but my first cousin, once removed. Still, he calls me Uncle Jimmy, so I indulge him. You do that with the younger generation, they're still learning. His latest album, Carolina Blue, was released this summer. His father's a graduate of UNC, hence the title. Even my wife, a Duke grad, likes it. His name was originally David Askew. Fortunately, he quickly learned that a name that your fans can neither spell nor pronounce is bad for business. He swapped his middle name for his last name, and now he's David Austin, based in Nashville, Tennessee. This is called Let Them Boys Play, uh, and it plays in Michael Wilbon, who can barely hear us, but we will try and yell and make it work. A tremendously exciting weekend across the board in all sorts of sports, in pro football, in college football, in tennis, in baseball. I'll, I'll start... I'm not going to start with Northwestern. I'll get to it second. I'll start with what I assume is the headline that Dak Prescott, who finally got paid, finally got paid, is now out six to eight weeks with a broken bone in his throwing thumb. What do you make of that and, and the impact on get up and first take? Oh,
3: my goodness, Tony. I, I, um, you know, I was hanging on every play of that game. I'm not sure why, I just think I did that on every game anyway. Bad game. Even though that was late at night. Bad game. And the Cowboys were terrible. Yeah. They were just dreadful. And the game wasn't exciting. It just wasn't. There was nothing to the game at all, just field goals. But when Prescott is not under center late on that series, and they all of a sudden say, well, you see the replay here, and you do. You just go no 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 this this can't this can't happen and I I don't I don't hate the Cowboys I'm not like I, I'm not I'm not from Washington I don't, I'm not one of those people who hates the Cowboys because I was a fan of the Redskins for forever I don't have that dynamic in me but I get so tired of the slurpage of the Cowboys yeah and particularly and, and, and Dak Prescott who I've met socially and been around a little bit. Could not be a nicer guy. Just a, just a nice fellow. And there's just no need to root against him or say, ha! There's just none of that. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. First of all, here are the Cowboys again. They just gave Prescott all this money. He's never now. I mean, he's, it's, a different, it's a different way, but it's the same as Romo. And that these guys can't finish the season. They can't be great. They can't win in the playoffs. And so now he's out 6-8. to eight. I, I, I just, so I, I, you know, I feel bad for him personally because, like I said, I've been around him socially a little bit, met him. I feel bad for him personally. But the Cowboys themselves, it's like, oh, God. You know, they're just a train wreck. And Jerry will – You know, I guess they'll thrash about and they'll talk about whether or not they're going to get the kid from San Francisco. Maybe. But it's like, just please, can you deliver me from the Cowboys? Can you? Can I have a a season where there's not some trumped-up drama? And this isn't trumped up. This is real about the Cowboys. Will Dak get his money or will the Cowboys do this or that? I just don't care. I don't care about the Cowboys.
0: I have the now, exact same feeling. We are
3: forced to care and talk about the Cowboys every day.
0: I have this exact same feeling where I just want to say, spare me. Okay, just spare me this. I don't care anymore. Let's move on. Northwestern, you were there. You were there in Ireland when Northwestern had the triumphant game, mm-hmm. came back and beat Nebraska. You're excited to play Duke. These are academic rivals, fair, you know, fairly matched on a lot of levels. This was very disappointing for you, wasn't it?
3: Yes, I was. I was. I was angry. Angry, as angry as I. Remember, I told you when I was in Dublin, that was as happy as, as I had ever been after a win. It wasn't the biggest win, but it was the, the nature of it, the circumstances, the condition, the context. I was as angry Saturday as I have ever been after a Northwestern game, because we were down twenty-one, nothing. Like, just opened the game 21 nothing, And I sat there, and I was convinced we were going to win the game. I wasn't screaming yet. I wasn't hollering. I wasn't angry. I said, you know what? This was, this was going to happen. We're going to win this game. We're coming back, and we're going to win this game. And twice, we were within five with the ball and plenty of time left and just had multiple chances to win the game and fumbled into the end zone on the final play of the game our running back who had a spectacular day again. So I'm I'm just, I was so ticked, Tony. I did not leave the stadium. I just sat there. And I've done, you know, I've been in that place empty because I covered the teams there when I was a kid, when I was in school. So it's not an unfamiliar place for me to be when it's empty. It was empty. It was a beautiful day. You know, 77 degrees, you can see the lake from the top of the stadium. I just sat there. People said, you don't want to leave? I'm like, no, get away from me before I punch you. I'm angry about losing this game to Duke. I'm getting texts from Feinstein. <laughs> I, I, Duke, which, which I can support and rally around and like. And I know the people there. I know them. You, you, you mentioned like-minded institutions. We're twins in a lot of ways. I was so angry. We've lost three straight games to Duke, and at home, I was just—I was nuts. So finally, after about an hour and a half of just sitting in the stadium, I finally left and went down to, you know, get involved in some social stuff, tailgating, post-game and stuff like that. I was so angry. The only thing that has got me off simmer is the Bears.
0: Yeah, they the won most
3: unexpected win in the league yesterday to me.
0: Well, the Giants and the Bears.
3: Yeah, yeah, I guess because the Giants were on the road, on the road okay, Tennessee, yeah, even bigger maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah, Giants and Bears.
3: Yeah, I will give you those. Yeah, and so I just, you know, there was nothing to say. I didn't even. I was I was totally not gracious. The Duke people who I know, who were at the game, Tony. Totally, it's so incestuous. I mean, it, Mike Krzyzewski, the, the the person most associated with Duke from chicago and a huge supporter of northwestern they're not playing each other which we don't play in basketball mike sheshevsky's from chicago the new coach john shire who he tapped on the shoulder and said follow me that kid is from chicago and his brother-in-law is with me at the game saturday it's so incestuous when i walked out of there past all the duke people i just acted like i had to have surgery I, I was just not gracious i'm 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 screaming back at feinstein I'm, I'm angry i hate you um and it was just unsportsmanlike of me but i got over it i mean the, the the bears thing put me in a better and that was part of the bad mood was the sky lost i'm sitting there courtside literally on the floor northwestern loses like that after beating nebraska And now I know the Bears are going to get crushed by the 49ers. And Chicago has never been more down on the Bears in my 63 years on Earth. Never. Never. The Bears have been terrible. They've been disappointing. They've lost when you thought they were going to win. You have all those things. But I've never seen the city, the whole metropolitan area, Bear Nation, as down on this team as all of us are now, yesterday. And then, they, Tony, they had three yards passing at, that, at halftime. Three. And you got Justin Fields, and you, we had all this hope, and we have it, I guess, still. But going into this yesterday, I, I, I left town. I didn't want to be there to live through the Bears getting crushed by the 49ers yesterday. I left, flew back to D.C.
0: Let, let me ask you this. In the college games, which was the more significant, What's the most significant of three games that I'm going to point out? Okay. Notre Dame losing at home to Marshall. It's coach now o and 3 in the only three games he's coached. Texas A&M, yeah. alleged with the greatest recruiting class in history and alleged by some to be paying all of them. Texas A&M at home losing to Appalachian State. Or Nebraska losing to Georgia Southern and firing its coach, bang, Zoom.
3: Well, just on sheer, if we're defining the losses before we get to the aftermath, it's it's Notre Dame.
0: Yeah.
3: I Notre agree. Dame losing that game, I, 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 it, you know, <laughs> that's, that's staggering. When I finally walked out of the stadium, finally, I, the first news you're greeted with is Notre Dame because that's 92 miles down the road, at least from the house I grew up in. And and that so that just in terms of the the, the the weight the gravity of the game, but but it's 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 Nebraska losing and the whole thing is Nebraska losing and firing Scott Frost because he lost to Northwestern because he nearly lost to what with North, North Dakota North Dakota, and then he did lose again and this is four years of this and they thought he was a savior yes and they yes. they you know I mean God. Um, that's a wow. And Nebraska Tony has been thrashing about ever since they fired, what's his name? Um, Bo Pelini. No, before that.
0: Oh, um, the, the Frankie Solich.
3: Frankie Solich. Yeah. They said, no, 9-3, we're going to turn up our noses at 9-3. We're going to turn up our noses because we think Johnny Rogers is coming through that door.
0: Every day they think he's coming through the door. He's not coming through the door.
3: Our our dear friend Michael Gleason. Yes. Who is a... Mike Mike knows way more about college football, just on a daily level, than I I ever will. And... We wind up texting. I was texting with Mike all the time from Ireland. Because I'm like, Mike, you guys aren't as good as you think you are. Therefore, the notion that you're supposed to be something else is too flawed. This is my thing with Nebraska. He, he knows because I've, ta- I've told him this, and I tell my other friends. They have a lot of friends from Nebraska, a lot. And I just say, you guys aren't that good. You keep thinking you're that good. Your players aren't that good. Your coaches aren't that good. And why do you think you're going to go 11-1? and 1? And this is 1971. It's not. And so they fire. And how about this, Tony? Of course, listen, I, th- I think it's humane that they did not do it after October 1st. If they wait until October 1st, they his buyout money. goes down to 7.5. Yes. I think it's a, with, a, with a lot of class, actually, that they said, no, we'll fire him now. We're going to give our own—he's them. He's from—he's of them. Yes. He's Nebraska, through and through. They fire him now, so he gets the full $15 million, instead of waiting two weeks and making it seven and a half. I think that says a lot about—a lot of good things about Nebraska and firing Scott Frost, if you can have such a thing.
0: I agree. I agree. All right, I'll talk to you later. All right, Tom. Michael Wilbon, boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with Jeff Passan. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
1: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
0: Once again, this is David Austin. Except that we don't have him anymore. We don't have anything anymore. What are you doing? I don't know. I just went dead. So do we have Jeff Passen? We do, but give me a second. Oh, we'll just introduce Jeff. Jeff, are you there? Can you hear us? I got you. Okay, we'll get back to David Austin down the road. Don't worry about it. Let's talk to Jeff Passan. I wrote down four questions to write to, to sort of predictive questions before we get to the rule changes, which interest me more than the predictive chain, predictive questions. But I think I have to start with Albert Pujols. I mean, do you think it's a hard and fast thing that if he only gets to 698 or 699, that he in fact will retire? And I think part B of that question is, I don't know that he was ever accused of using steroids. Do you think anyone will accuse him of it now? with this incredible late run at 42 years old?
2: I'll answer the the second one first. Of course, someone's going to accuse him of it, but that someone is doing so blindly and ignorantly and because of the sins of Pujols' forebears as opposed to anything he's doing right now. It's the same thing that Latin American players have gone through, uh, you know, time and again okay. and it's it's that uh anytime somebody who came from latin america is doing things uh that look absurd or out of the question immediately the steroid thing gets thrown around it happened to poolholes, it happened to adrian beltray when he got older and it's unfair but it's it's reality uh, like if there's a great consequence to me of the steroid era uh it's the fact that we just can't sit here and trust anyone or anything or believe that it's a 100% real anymore but uh you know maybe i just choose to be ignorant and enjoy the ride but i'm enjoying the hell out of Albert Pools at this point and uh it's to the point where i hope he gets to the 700 now cuz i don't think if he's at 698 or 699 he's coming back next year he is a very convicted person and when Albert Pujols says I'm going to do something whether it's become a star in Major League Baseball or walk away from it on the precipice of some sort of round number I think he believes what he says
0: okay I do too and and I hope he gets to 700 I sat here at the beginning of the show and I said if I'm a pitcher in this league I'm going to throw fastballs at him if he's got 699 if he hits it out he hits it out I'm not going to try and trick him I'm just going to let him go.
2: Do you think pitchers will do that? No. I think he's going to see a lot of breaking stuff. Oh, okay. you, you don't, you don't want to be the guy with the famous home run hung on you, right? You don't I don't know. I think it's
0: okay. I think Al Downing's okay. I think it's okay. It's just me.
2: Yeah, you may, you may not be wrong, but there, there are moments that uh, you know are going to be replayed, and uh, if you show up on the wrong side of him, it's, uh, maybe it is a great feeling. Maybe knowing that you gave up a historic home run does have some cachet.
0: Well, I think if it's, you know, for example, Max Scherzer, who's going to the Hall of Fame. You know, it's to me, it was brought up, uh, Nigel said this before, it's like Michael Strahan and Brett Favre. You go, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you sack me. I'll just lay down here because I know it's important. All right, we move on. Uh, the four predictive questions. Will the Braves pass the Mets? Yes. Okay. Okay. Will the Rays catch the Yankees? No. Okay. Will the Padres hold on and make the wild card?
2: Oh, that one's grim. Uh, Yes.
0: Okay. And will the Orioles sneak in?
2: Uh, A week or so ago, I would have said yes. Now I think the gap's too big.
0: I agree. I think the Toronto series hurt them. So let me get to the things that excite me the most. The new rules the pitch clock, which people have been anticipating for years, no shifts, which is a very, very, very important rule, and bigger bases, which is a safety precaution, but it's also going to actually shrink the distance between first and second and second and third by four and a half inches, which may be on tag plays the right amount to convince people to steal. Of these new rules, which, if any, maybe you can't separate them, maybe all told they're all good, but which do you think is the best? Have you seen a minor league game with a pitch clock yet, Tony? I've only gotten the results of it. I've read about it. I haven't seen it. No. Okay.
2: I, if you have time, I encourage you to watch an inning or two, even if you can. And I'll send you my password to minorleaguebaseball.tv if need be, because uh, it's awesome. Like, there's there's no other way to put it. I think the pitch clock uh, is going to be the best thing that has happened to Major League Baseball, and I've been doing this job coming up on 20 years now yeah. uh, since I started writing about baseball, and I say this as somebody who is as big of a baseball fan as you're going to find, and who understands the sentiment of people who say, I want more baseball, not less. You're getting the same baseball here. You're just getting it in a much cleaner, crisper, neater, better package. Um, And and listen, maybe I'm saying this because I'm about to turn 42 years old and I grew up in an era where hitters and pitchers didn't take, you know, seemingly endless amounts of time between pitches. Uh, But I don't think that's it. I think I'm looking at it as a sports fan – who appreciates games that move at a particular pace. And as languid as baseball is historically, it's gone past that right now. And and that's illustrated when you see pitch clock games. You're like, oh, so this is how it's supposed to be. So this is what it's supposed to look like. It. it remember a few years ago when – that, uh, that artist tried to redo or retouch the fresco painting and it ended up looking like a monkey. It's like you put up the fresco <laughs> painting looking like a monkey and that's Major League Baseball right now next to an original or one that's been restored well. And it's like, oh, that's what it's supposed to look like. Uh, baseball is going to be better, Tony, because of the pitch clock. It's going to be faster. It's going to have a better pace. Uh, it cures a lot of the ills in the game right now, I think.
0: How about the shift rule, which I like even more because I'm you know, i sort of tapped out on the pitch clock because I think it's obviously good. But the shift rule is going to bring singles back in and maybe stolen bases back in, don't you think?
2: I think the shift rule has a chance to bring more singles back, yes. But I don't know that that's as transformative well, I know I know that's not as transformative right. a rule as the pitch clock because i'm not sure there's another one you could put in place that's more transformative yep. than the pitch clock yep i i, I was uh, I was ambivalent about shifts you're still going to have guys playing up the middle, so the idea that uh the you know the single that for years we saw you hit the ball hard up the middle and it 's a single uh, that's not going to be reality it's going to be more that there are uh, you know, balls getting dumped into right field uh, compared to how it used to be from left-handed pull hitters, um, but a, a huge demonstrable effect on the game. Nah, I see the shift more as an aesthetic thing, honestly. Okay. And, uh, I, I I get why Rob Manfred chose to to implement the shift ban. I just don't know that teams aren't going to try and find their way around it. Like, if there's a guy who just does not hit fly balls or line drives to left field and tends to hit ground balls that way and, and pulls more to the to the right side in the air, you may see a left fielder in short right field playing that position that we once saw the third baseman shifting toward. So I think there are going to be ways around it. Defenses are going to look different, no question, but – Uh, There are alternatives and options if you want it. And the bigger bases, uh, to me, the bigger bases actually aren't going to be the thing, Tony, that impel players to take more chances on stolen bases.
0: Well, the rule about throwing over is going to change that.
2: Yep, yep, it's the disengagement rule. You can disengage from the rubber only two times, either to step off, which stops the pitch clock and restarts it, or to throw over to first or second or third base. Um, if you do it twice, you can do it a third time. But it's got but to result in an does, out. It, yeah, it it, it it results in a balk if the runner uh, does not get back, yeah. uh, or if the runner does get back, rather. And so pitchers are going to be very leery about doing that. And I, I've talked with people, Tony, who think the days of – 50, 60, 70, 80 stolen base seasons are coming back, which I'm all here for. I love stolen bases. I love the bang-bang plays at second. I love athleticism. And this encourages more teams, Tony, to roster guys who are pure athletes and can help on the base paths more than they would have in the past and allow them to develop into better big league players because they're getting more time on the field because of their stolen base acumen I am all here for that.
0: That's the Vince Colemanization of baseball that we're waiting for. I'll get you out of here on this because I don't understand this. So I do understand it, but I just don't respect it. Why are the players so against these rules? Why don't the players care about the health of the sport?
2: I think that's a mischaracterization, honestly. I I don't think the players are against the rules. Now you look at the voting. Look at the vote. There was a... There was an 11-person competition committee, and of that 11, four were players, and uh, all four players voted no on the pitch clock and voted no on uh, on the shift rules. And the reason that they voted no is not because they're against the rules, It's because they knew this thing was, uh, you know, it was going to go. It was a fait accompli. Because the way the committee is composed, it is stacked up of six people from Major League Baseball and one umpire, all of whom were going to vote in favor of it. The players just did not think that the league and the committee listened enough to them and took things a little too far this time. So it was more of a protest vote. It was more of a politicking vote. Than it was a vote that illustrates they don't believe these rules will be better for the game. I think, uh, you know, having talked with members of the committee, uh, frankly, they do believe that. They just think it went too far.
0: Well, they're getting very bad PR if they actually do believe that it could help, because it it looks like intransigence and it looks like they're trying to kill the sport because they make a lot of money this way. So, you know, they have bad PR on this. Very bad. Someone should tell Tony Clark that, don't you think? I think you just did. Yeah, well, he's not listening to me. All right, thank you, Jeff. Thank you, thank you. Thanks, Tony. Jeff Passon, boys and girls. Award-winning writer, by the way, this year. He won a big award this year. Did we ever get the music from David Austin? Yes. Could you play it? Yes, hold on. I don't want to shortchange David Austin. Okay. This is called One Song Away. This stuff was sent to us by Jim Reynolds, who claims to be his uncle but is actually his cousin or something it's like really that. good isn't it david austin's really good michael if people and you can listen to it in its entirety after the show michael if people want to send in their original music as david austin's relative did how do they do it send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tony kornheiser right, we took the long way around on this one but we will have email and jingle when we return i'm tony kornheiser You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
1: Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email faxes and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gotta read some for all you
0: folks. Do you want to do, thank you, Gary, do you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, uh, the Bethesda Bagels. Uh, we love them, you will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the DC area nearest you, then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. A little late with you today, weren't they? Yeah, uh, a little bit, yeah. you some consternation today. <laughs> I was in Gary's neighborhood over the weekend. Really? I drove by the Olney Ale House. Yeah, where we were. Sandy Spring Road, yeah. Yeah. So you had a, a play date, right? I did. oh nice. Happy birthday, Finn. Uh, That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, making love in the afternoon with Cecilia up in my bedroom. I got up to wash my face when I came back to bed. Someone had taken my place. Two kids from Queens did that. (laughs) Paul Simon and Artie Garfunkel. Thanks to our guests today, Michael Wilbon and Jeff Passan. Thanks to our sponsors, Policy Genius, Sip Recruiter, MeUndies. Nice read, Michael. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Jason Smorrow who put together La Cheeserie Night, has sent us a wrap-up. I have been part of magical opening days as well as sell-out crowds for the likes of DeGrom and huge celebrations for the 4th of July. I've also been a part of great promotions that just worked as we packed the stadium, engage with our community, and make memories that last a lifetime. I now have been part of an inside joke secret promotion that worked to perfection and made 75 people happy. La Cheeserie Night at Syracuse Mets will forever be one of my favorite promotions. Thanks to you for reading the email, which propelled the night into reality. From that first reading in the mailbag, the Littles and Nigel did the rest. The incomparable Dan Byrne wrote us a team song, flew out and performed for our fans, threw a first pitch, sang the anthem, and did play-by-play on our radio broadcast. (laughs) His anthem was fantastic, and two of our radio broadcasters commented on air how perfect his rendition was and claimed that is how the anthem should be sung. Based on your suggestions and the fact that I had one satin Syracuse Sky Chiefs jacket laying around my office, we gave it to Dan, so you and Dan may have matching jackets. The over-under of Littles coming and saying la Chisery was set at 22 and a half. We had 75 Littles saying la hard over. One flew in from Chicago, one came in from Indiana, one changed his plans en route and drove in from South Carolina. Buffalo new guy was there, Rochester, Chuck from Oswego. We served the TK hot dog, which was our delicious hometown Hoffman hot dog with sea salt on it. That proved your point that you do not need to put sea salt on everything, specifically hot dogs. We sold six. We raised the price of our hamburger and fries combo about a dollar to $13.27 and sold two. We had Chuck and Roxy from the Loyal Littles podcast participate in an on-field game against some kids in an Albanese versus Haribo gummy game. The guy from South Carolina won the trivia contest that consisted of these four questions. What are the names of the Rascals? A sullen existential poet question. Where do you eat ice cream and what color do you wear when riding a bike at night? He was stumped on the Rascals, as only you and Nigel know that. But we let him win and most of the participants got Calvert Woodley prizes. We had Anthony Beeson videos on the big board during the game and Chatter was the official sponsor of the game and had its logo up on the video board in the sponsor location for the entire game. Nigel sent a great video, but we did not get it in time. All the littles were happy. All the staff and other fans had no idea what was going on. Jake Hafner and I knew our job was done and done well. Thanks to that slacker, Jake, for connecting with Dan Byrne and Calvert Woodley for the prizes and for getting the gummy bears. Thanks to you for reading the email that started this little escapade rolling, and thanks to Nigel for the sound effects and for working overtime to make our night a success. Who knows where this goes from here? But for now, we will all just sit back and remember La Cheesery Night at historic NBT. Bank Stadium, home of the Syracuse Mets, Memories Made. And then he sent a bunch of pictures. A bunch of pictures of people. It's just Isn't that fantastic? It, isn't it? It's lovely. It it's just it's a it's just so perfect. I want to show these to Michael so he sees them or if he sees them somebody else. I'll do a couple more. From Dylan Rothwell. I have still haven't seen the elusive G W plate. I haven't seen that either. No. G V, no, no. not GW. I'm at GV. Not XYZ. But the other day I was astounded to see a DC plate starting with J.A. Why? We talked about this a month ago. The podcast has altered my brain, and now all I do is I walk around my Capitol Hill neighborhood <laughs> to stare at license plates. I can only imagine what neighbors think. Think. We were Thanks hoping for, for a J.A. for that you do. Yeah, we're really shooting for that. Chris Lau, the twin brother of Alex Lau in New York City. Did I hear correctly that you used to park the Monday night football bus outside your home? This coming from the same man who complains when he sees a trailer or a car with a non-DC license plate on the street? Really? Come on, man. What are we even doing out here, man? Uh, from Todd Hammond. Hello. Here are a few picks from, the, from my recent visit to the Syracuse Mets game uh, after a day at the New York State Fair. Syracuse gave out Syracuse salt potato jerseys that night. I visited the 315 bullpen bar, 315, that's the area code, which does indeed look down into the bullpen. The home run deck was closed for a private party. Great game and a win. I know this won't translate, translate well on radio, but I thought you might like to see some pictures. Uh, I want to get back for your night. I'm an hour north in Watertown, New York, from Todd Hammond, which is very nice. From Tony Buonamo, B-U-O-N, Buonamo, Buonamo, Waterbury, Vermont. I was perusing the aisles of our local Shaw's supermarket the other day, and while I am at peace with them selling Tillamook ice cream, three-tenths of a mile down the road from the Ben & Jerry's factory store tourist attraction here in Waterbury, Vermont, I came upon a rack of Tillamook beef jerky, picture attached. Yes, that Tillamook. Then it dawned on me, what better way for Bootsy? to establish alpha male status over the rest of his classmates than by flexing at snack time with a cheek full of Tillamook beef jerky (laughs) while stealing the other kids' no-baked quinoa and kale snack bars. After he takes them, he can go all Josie Wales and spit on the playground. By the way, I'm originally from where your Nat's third base coach was born, not raised born. Have Nigel look it up on the internet, then look to its east and tell us what you see. A hearty lachiserie to all of you, and here's to you staying on this side of the grass. At least as long as the queen did. That'll help with uh, Boosie's loose tooth. <laughs> Refuses to wiggle. Oh, yeah. He won't do it. He doesn't want to wiggle it because he doesn't want to eat it again. That's yeah, he yeah he's a lot of money in that tooth. Yeah. yeah, it's no good. If you're out on your bike, to everyone as always, do wear white. I'm going to solve. You're our... not. You're actually not. Cornucopia. No, you're a moron. No. <laughs>
1: a little shove a little jaw little words being said ain't never really hurt anyone if it gets going south you can clear the place out make a ring they gon' gonna swing and you can throw your money down in a Broadway bar on a Saturday night or a football field pushing steel need to clear moonlight words were said like cross, steam built up, and now it's got to burn. All the boys, flinging around right toys, knowing she is ever to make a little bit of noise. She'll take out those high heel shoes until. Cause I know I'm just living on time By my side Even though you cried On the nights you slept alone But you had me In your ear Singing through the telephone Don't you worry girl It's one of them songs bound to bring us home So tell me your way Without the promise of tomorrow And tell me your way Tell me you'll wait without the promise of tomorrow. And tell me you